Limited Mileage. Hello, friend. My name is Greg Hoy, and this is my podcast, Limited Mileage. This is a podcast where I talk to interesting people, people that are growing a business, building something, makers, growth mindset, something I have been really kind of obsessed with in the last few weeks with everything going on. This is your first time listening to my podcast. Welcome and thanks. My guest today is Vicki Lampton. Vicki and I met several years ago and had a kinship uh, as one has with people. Um, and this is the second podcast we've actually done together. I had a previous podcast called Let's Taco About, and Vicky was gracious enough to join me for tacos. And we chatted about her experience um, in many ways. Now, in light of current events, she's launched a podcast. And it's been percolating, as she talks about, for a while. It's called K-Thanks, and you can check it out at kthankspodcast.com. Uh, it's Vicky and two of her co-hosts amplifying uh, women's voices about events and situations. The first episode, which I listened to yesterday, is awesome. Uh, it's about the Kubler-Ross model, the stages of grief. We talk about that uh, on the podcast, but you should check it out. Uh, go to their website or it's at iTunes, Spotify, all the good places that you can find podcasts. One of the overarching themes Vicky and I talk about is communication, how important it is doing the work for self so that you can pass that work along to others. I feel grateful that years ago I had a mentor that helped me explore myself, my actions, how they affected the world and it does affect the world. We are all interconnected. I'm actually excited that things are being examined in the way they are now. There's something about this time, uh, downtime and quarantine, the insanity of media, the unease that we're all feeling that can inspire change, which I think we're seeing. We're seeing everything that has been there all along and people are taking action. And that's the number one thing you can do. I myself uh, do this podcast. It's part of how I relate to the world. It's a part of how I function and translate other voices um, that are so important to hear. One of the things that uh, we discuss is empathy and how important it is to understand other people's position uh, in life. And if you can't do that, you can learn it. Trust me, as someone who grew up in a you know, a, a loving household, but a household nevertheless that still was uh, patriarchal and uh, seeped in, I'm going to call them old values. Those values didn't work. Uh, they worked for that time. They worked for that group of people. If you've listened to my podcast, I often quote a song called Women of the World Take Over. And the chorus goes, women of the world take over, because if you don't, the world will come to an end and it won't take long. And I believe that. I believe we need a better, stronger, more maternal voice to be leading 
humanity through the difficult times ahead. And until we get there, we're just going to see this crazy chaos uh, reflected back on the screens to all of us. Speaking of screens, I hope you're taking time away from them. I got in the recording studio for a full week last week and worked with some dear, talented musicians. I wrote a fresh batch of songs, reflective songs, songs about right now, songs that um, I never, topics I never really have addressed before. Um, And I encourage everyone to write things down, journal if you can, make art. It's the only way to get through what we're doing right now. And I think in being creative, we become closer to, to God, to God, godliness, God, however you think of God. Um, and we need people to do that right now. That's the only way we're going to get through it. Thank you, Vicki. Uh, I always enjoy talking to you and, um, the love fest is real. Let's all keep fighting the good fight. As my friend Andy says, and enjoy this episode of limited mileage with Vicki Lampton. Hey everybody. Welcome to the limited mileage podcast. I'm here today with my dear friend, Vicki Lampton. Hey Vicki. Hi Greg. How are you? I'm good. And we just figured out we're about an hour away from each other here in yes. California. Right. I thought we were much closer for some reason. <laughs> I need to well, look we, at a we map. Have, yeah, we have that giant Mount Diablo between us. And it's weird because you look at it and I had to look at Google Maps because it feels like it's really close, but it's actually like 30 miles away from us. Wow. Incredible. Perspective. Yeah. But, <laughs> well, this is the second podcast we've done together. Yes. Yes. And the first one, yeah, I did an old uh, an old podcast. My My previous podcast was about eating tacos. And uh, that was a lot of fun. And we learned, I learned a lot about you. We, you and I met uh, some years ago uh, on the job. We were working together. And um, I feel like both of our lives have like kind of taken off since then in a, in a weird way. Yeah. In a great way. Yeah. Same. I feel like um, that was like the end of something for me. And I started to begin something new, probably like 2018, 2017, 2018. Right. It was like an evolutionary and point. It was definitely an evolutionary, a big pivot. Yeah. And I, um, so I, you and I got back in touch recently. I think we had lunch, I don't know, before all this madness went down with quarantine sometime in the right. fall. Um, and you were talking to me about a podcast idea you had. And I know you, at that point it was, it was kind of a sketch, but I, uh, you just launched it what last week? Yes. We, well, we launched, um, on Monday the 15th. Yep crazy. And I know like we, we talked about it, uh, not that long ago. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about it in the intro, but I listened to the first episode today and I I loved it. I love that you talked about the Kubler Ross model, uh, the stages of grief, uh, as related to what we're kind of collectively going through right now. Um, but I don't want to get too into the weed yet. I kind of want to start by hearing your, what was your inspiration to, to get this podcast started in the first place? So Greg, I mean, I, it actually goes back to the, from the first podcast we did together. Um, I was already in planning stages at that point. Um, I just, uh, didn't really, wasn't sure like who I wanted to work with on, 
on it with me. Um, so that was kind of the biggest part of it. I'm um, trying to put it all together and building the frameworks out. Um, so it seems like it went fast um, when we started it, but that was just because everything was built out. Um, we just needed the people. Yeah. And how did you, how do you, I know you and uh, Ariana and Ikram, you have, you've known each other for a while. We have, we've known each other for a few years um, through our veteran uh, network and Sil Silicon Valley. Oh, got it. And yeah. what, like, did, were those the folks you were thinking of or like kind of talk to me a little about how you, how the team came together? Yeah. So, um, I just, with everything going on, you know, it, it was more just kind of like a feeling one day where I woke up and I'm like, you know, why am I still waiting to launch this? Um, you know, maybe I should go ahead and, and, and just go for it. I have all of these um, frameworks in place, like and built out. Like, what am I waiting on? Um, let me start kind of looking around for people. So I had actually um, Ariana had posted something on social media. It was it was something about what was going on, something about current events, and I just uh, made a proposal to her right then and there because you know I I'm I'm all about having different points of perspectives and points of view. That was another thing that I wanted to make sure that I had on uh, this podcast. I didn't want it to be like an echo chamber. So I seen that she had a very kind of different perspective. And so I just pro propositioned her for the podcast. Um, Ikram was already someone I had in the back of my mind, but when she brought it up, it kind of made it all come together uh, and then uh, reached out to her and and she was um, on board with this as well. Uh, so, I mean, it just worked out and then we started meeting with each other and there was just like kind of an undeniable chemistry there as well as just a mutual respect among women, which is sometimes hard to, to find as well. Oh man, I have like 12 questions in what you just talked to me about. First of all, I love that you were like, what am I waiting for? And I think a lot of people I'm talking to right now, especially in light of what's going on in the culture and in, in the world, people are starting to, there's a fire that's been lit. Um, and I don't know how much this affected that for you. Um, but was there anything that kind of like, you were like, I got to do this now. Like when that, when that spark got lit, like did any of it have to do with what we're looking at sort of, uh, as a, as humanity? Absolutely. Because I feel like we can only change what we can control and influence. Right. Um, so, you know, a lot of us really want to do something and we just don't know what to do. Right. It just, the problem just seems so big. The problems just seem so big. And, um, you know, one thing I found is that communication has always been my strong suit, like from my career, um, throughout my life, I've always been told like, I'm a great communicator and, and, and also, um, pretty adaptable and can fit in different rooms and spaces. Right. Um, so I thought, why not, why not, um, get on here and create something, uh, for women, um, where we kind of tackle all of like what's going on with also other problems that we face, things that we wonder about, um, things going on, like in so many different areas and, um, just kind of address those with, um, different viewpoints and with the, um, with the intent that, that everyone, um, becomes a free thinker, right? We, we always express, um, for everyone to just not take our word for things to make sure they do their own research and formulate their own points of view. 
Yeah. And it's interesting you talk about the communication piece. Um, you brought it up just a, a minute ago, too, when you were talking about finding people with different viewpoints uh, was important to you and how that inspired you. I also think it's becoming an a weirdly lost art. And let me try to explain what I think. And maybe you can see see how you how you, if you agree or, or, or your thoughts on it. The okay. art of people being able to disagree, but still listen and be able to be adaptable in their ways of thinking through that sort of dialogue with other people. Yeah, that's that's so very important. And it starts with empathy, though, and and that's the thing. Um, you know, having the ability to, even if it's a if it even if it's um, an inflammatory point of view, see that's that's where it really hits, right? Because like you yeah. can have a conversation with someone disagrees with you, but um, you know, a lot of us do like, um, or it's just like minor things, but when it's something that goes drastically against your core, a lot of people shut down and they just don't want to hear the rest of it. But I think that's important in order to understand where, you know, that point of view is coming from, from that person's view, because we all see through different eyes and we have all had different experiences, um, so it's really important to really understand where that person is coming from. So I like to just ask a lot of questions uh, just to learn more about the root of that and why they believe it. The I, I remember years ago hearing about the Socratic method. This is when I first got into my vocation and and early on uh, in my in my educational years, and, which was about asking questions to get to how people feel. And I think what I've seen, what I've witnessed, especially having been in the tech industry for you know a decade now, is there's a there's a inherent um, there's an inherent value for companies to give people less and less time to think about stuff, if that makes sense. Yeah, makes the idea, yeah, the idea of like a tweet or a status update, and somehow I think we're at a point. And then I'm going to shut up. I think we're at a point where people have lost the ability to do critical, more in-depth thinking about things because of that. What do you think? I definitely agree. I mean, I mean, I've been telling people for the last two weeks, hey, if you can't emotionally handle what you're seeing, you know, if you're going to have an instant emotional reaction, then maybe take a break from the internet for a while because right. there's so many triggers. There's a lot of triggers out there right now. And some people are just at a different place like in their journey where they just cannot just process it fully. Um, so I believe there's just a lot of personal accountability that needs to be had. Um just when you see something and you read it, instead of like immediately reacting, taking a moment and thinking about it um, before you do that. But like you said, this is kind of like, and people just react instantly. This is a very much a um, instant gratification culture anyway, where it's just like you press a button, you, in, you immediately have it. But mm. um, we still need to take time to process um, uh, and actually think about what's being said. And even from people that we admire uh, and look up to, like always having a question mark um, to everything that we read, right? Because we don't know what's behind those words, motivation-wise or anything, agenda or nothing. Um, so just, just making a point to actually dig in and research everything that we see before we react to it. Yeah. 
I think that's a lot of how I'm feeling right now, which is people, uh, especially on the social media, will say, well, the answer was this last week. And now the we'll call them the powers that be classic phrase, you know, the government, the the CDC, whoever you want to talk about um, in right. this space of the they, they like when people say they, I'm always like, well, who is they? <laughs> well, they say, well, who is they? Um, they seem to be giving answers all the time and people mm-hmm. seem to just want answers. Yeah. And, and I don't know if that's, uh, you know, we can take it back to the eighties when like, you know, the, 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 the government at the time defunded education, we can look at the media and the speed of things. It's probably a combination of a lot of things, but I feel like the idea of critical thinking is becoming just more and more difficult for people. Well, that's because everything's so easy to access. Right. Right. So it takes away the work. People, you know, they're now people don't read books. They they listen to audiobooks. And I definitely do that. But it's just we are such a move fast like culture now where it's just like everything needs to happen quick because that's what we're used to. And then we have our newer generations where that's they all they've known is technology. So they have certain expectations as well. So it's just it's just a different culture. We're moving into a different space. I think too, it's fascinating to me to watch how the idea of trust is changing. Like this whole quarantine happened. And as an example, um, our neighbors who we just moved into this neighborhood and we don't know any of them, our neighbors walked around and put a piece of paper in everyone's mailbox that said, Hey, we're, you know, so-and-so here's our email. Here's our address. We'd like to start an email thread amongst, you know, probably a one mile radius here just so we all know who we are. And I thought to myself, that's great. That's wonderful. But why does it take this sort of moment for people to actually look around? And you talked about empathy to even look around at their neighbors and be like, I don't even know these people. It's fascinating to me. Yeah, it is. It also makes you wonder like, what, what's the motivation behind it? Right. Well, I think fear is a big motivator for people. What if there's a fire? What right. if there's, you know, something shut down? What if there's some sort of, um, uh, you know, event that we all need to know each other? But to me, that's sort of 101 kind of stuff. And it, it just feels like this quarantine and, and, and all of the, the, the things that are happening to us, I think that fear is really inspiring people to maybe do things they should have been doing without that, like, knee-jerk reaction. Oh, yeah. Like, what happened to your neighbors knocking on your door with a bunt cake and saying right? welcome to the neighborhood like that's <laughs> all cake. like prehistoric history now and I, and i'm pretty sure that there's there's something even better than a piece of paper in the mailbox and it's called next door oh yeah i'm sure they're doing great they're doing great they're they're uh you know i think that depending on the neighborhood and this is i, I can talk about this if you'd like i just talked about uh next yeah, door with someone last night um i find it fascinating that a, Nextdoor has clearly blown up because of the quarantine. B, the content has varied wildly depending on where you live. Oh, yeah. And, and C, there's no way for you to really look at anyone else's neighborhood but your own when you're on Nextdoor. Yeah. I mean, I think you they give you like maybe a little bit of a mile radius around. Like I can see the different communities where I live and right. just a little bit outside of that, but but nothing else. And then it's like sometimes it's useful information on there. Sometimes it's just like petty things on there oh, and I just don't totally. understand. And then sometimes it's kind of like a, a George Zimmerman 
type of situation where it's just yes. like being too nosy to your yep. neighbors. And you know, like I've also seen that on like my ring app feed where I'm yep. like, the guy was just, I mean, I'm pretty sure he didn't mean any harm. You know what I mean? And there's a lot of people yep. like making comments, just too paranoid. This world is too paranoid right now. And, well, and nothing comes good. Nothing good comes from fear. I agree. And I think that this is what you get when, for example, you have a 24 hour news cycle. There's really not that much news, but there <laughs> needs to be something needs to fill that space. And I feel like when we all have rings and we're all on next door, we're kind of looking for stuff. You know, there's, there's kind of like these moments where it's like, uh, I need to be stimulated, you know? And I, isn't it weird? There's no crime this week. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just, it's, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, so, I, I feel like the technology is, can be good or, you know, people say technology is agnostic, but I feel like we're really trying to, to suss out like where we're going with it right now with all the things that are happening. Yeah. And I, and then I also, I, I also tell people this, like, if you go looking for it, you probably will find it, right? Law of attraction. Right. If you go looking for bad news, you'll probably find it. I mean, that's that's kind of how um, you know advertising works, right? Um, oh. They study your behavior and then show you what you want to see. So how is that any different than what people are seeing when they log on and get those triggers? Totally agree. One of the things I wanted to ask you about was with all of the different ways that we are figuring out how to get our message out. What inspired the medium of a podcast to you and, and, and the team as far as being a way for people to, not only for you to come together and, and have your discussions about things, but for people to listen in and maybe respond uh, to those things? Motivation. Um, I mean, I like to talk... And so podcasting seemed like a pretty good avenue to do that on. I also like yeah. to have really thought provoking, insightful conversations and ask questions. And um, so it just seemed like this was a great way to make impact, not just to like tell people what to do, because that I don't want to do, but just to get them to ask questions of themselves and also ask questions of, um, you know, the people around them. And we always ask for feedback too, like, um, and suggestions and things like that. So we hope to turn this into where it's something a little bit more interactive, um, where we can, you know, interact with the questions that people are giving us and maybe address some of them on air too. Yeah, I love it. I, I grew up with three women. I had my mother and two sisters. And um, one of the things that I, that I, I mean, you know, I, I have for years been fascinated by just human interaction, sociology. It's how I got into my career. It's how I became a musician. And one of the things I, I really enjoyed already about your podcast in one episode was the fact that I heard a distinctive difference between the three of you, even though there were common, there were a lot of common threads between what you were talking about. Oh yeah. And that's what I, that's what I wanted about yeah. this. Right. I, I was, that's why it was so hard because one, I'm thinking, okay, I want different points of view one, cause I don't want to cater to just one group of people. And then two, I, I want it to where like, when we do disagree, it's, it's out of love. And like, like, like you said before, we're so open to learn and we're really good listeners so that, you know, 
sometimes it does change your point of view, just hearing from another person's point of view. Sometimes it doesn't, you know, and that's okay. So we just encourage that, you know, it's okay to disagree. Um, there are some things where, I mean, if I disagree with someone on like something that is absolutely my core belief and it's a deal breaker, then that's like a different, that's a different, uh, you know, kind of like, yeah, that's completely different. Um, but if it's, you know, coming from a place where it's like, um, you know, we just, have a, we have a similar but different point of view on this and we can you know have a conversation and I can hear your side you can hear mine and we can talk about the research that's out there and then you know come to a conclusion from that or even spark another conversation like I think that's great um but when it comes to like core values like um that's that's a very different thing cuz it, it could be like for instance um with the racism thing right um Another thing that I always had pointed out about it is, you know, even if you know people in your life that feel that way or they have that ideology, okay, they're free to feel that way. Um, However, if, you know, after having a conversation with you and this goes against your values and you tell them why, if they still are kind of stuck in that core, then, you know, absolutely okay with um, disconnecting from that person. Like, I think that that people should feel um, okay with doing that. Agree. Agree. And I think we're in an interesting time. I'm going to use the phrase safe space. And I'm using that because one of the reasons I do love the podcast format is I feel like I create a space for healthy uh, discourse. And that to me is the most important thing we can do right now. And I don't I, you know, I have racists in my, I have racist people in my lives. I have people that have not evolved. I have people that, um, I have had to cut out of my life family members that clearly the hardest part. It really is. And I think a lot of people are going through that right now where they're saying, how do we all get along? Even though we fiercely disagree fundamentally about our species. To, to, to some degree, like that's, that's how deep it goes. And I'm, I'm curious your thoughts about how, when we do create safe spaces to have these dialogues, how do we then justify that cutoff point, which by the way, I agree with there, are, there, there's toxicity that needs to be like rooted out for, for self and, and for all. I mean, you look at it just like you would any other um, addiction recovery program. Um, it's funny how the 12 steps apply to everything. Um, Mm. and, um, that first step is always to remove yourself. Um, you can love someone from a distance without interacting with them every day. That's something that you would have to do with like a family member or something like that. Um, but at the end of the day, when you see people that are empowered to act on these hateful ideologies, um, I think part of the problem is they're surrounded by people that are just kind of secretly complicit. They don't stand up. And that's how do you, how do you cure addiction? You, you withdraw and you let that person hit rock bottom. It's not until they look around and they see that no one's supporting this, that they're forced to go inside. Um, And, you know, at that point in time, we hope that they would evolve and be more open um, because they value the people around them more than being stuck on this kind of state of mind. Because, if if we, we if we disagree on just the fundamentals of human rights, like that's that's a really deep issue, and and I just don't think that I could, I mean I can I can love from a distance, like um, 
you know, I'm not going to completely ignore you, but as far as my energy, I feel like I need to keep that safe because they always say that was the oldest quote is like, um, birds of a feather flock together, right? Um, Mm. are you around a certain type of energy that is going to rub off on you? Um, probably unconsciously as well. Um, no matter what, you're going to be picking up traits. Um, you know what I mean? And and I think when it comes to like racism ideology, it's not, there's no gray, you know, either you are, you aren't. I think a lot of people walk a fine line with that and they're like, well, you know, I have this. So that's why, you know, and it's like, no, what do you believe about humanity when it comes to this? Like, do you believe this person is exactly the same as you? And, and cause at the end of the day, we are, we're all human beings. And um, the flesh that makes us is just by chance that we were born into these bodies. Who we are is so much more than that. And that's not a physicality. Yeah. I loved your addiction analogy, by the way. I never thought about it that way. And (laughs) I've studied addiction for self and others for many years. And and there is a, I mean, you know, having worked at Facebook, which I did, like there is um, the the idea of where addiction is going with technology has been fascinating for me. So I think that's a really good point that you made. Um, Something I brought up to you before the mics, which kind of fits into what we're talking about, is this idea that I keep seeing about having that growth mindset, being able able to uh, look at situations and grow and evolve versus having the scarcity mindset, which I'm, I, I, I am always not like, I don't like looking at things as, you know, black or white. Yes or no. I do feel like there's a lot of shades, but when we're, we're talking about how we should be approaching these issues, um, I have found there is uh, people that understand the abundance of everything we have and how we all can have more. And then there's people that they get theirs, they have theirs, whatever that looks like to them, and they don't want to give anything to anyone else. And I'm curious your thoughts, maybe um, even from that, you know, thinking about addiction now, I'm thinking about all of that, like how, uh, you know, some of the people I've known that have struggled with that, how they've kind of shifted their mindset around being able to give more to other people and not feel like they're so insular. Yeah, there's another um, thing that I compare it to is narcissism. Like, I really feel like right. the problem with the world is narcissism at the end of the day, lack of empathy and and the inability to be able to put yourselves in someone else's shoes. Like, as simple as that sounds, it applies to, like, everything, right? Um, if you're not able to step outside of yourself and actually kind of look at a different point of view, if you're not able to... Um, kind of look at the experience that someone else is having and just kind of try to just see it from their perspective for a bit, um, then you have an even deeper, even deeper issue than, than what you already have. I mean, then there's just a core to that and it's, it's narcissism, it's selfishness, it's, it's, um, you know, putting yourself and there's nothing wrong with that. That's not to be confused with like self-love or anything like that. Right. Um, but narcissism is just complete selfishness. Like those are people where you're, you're trying to, uh, you know, tell them your perspective and they aren't even hearing you. They're just already defensive and they're hung up on that ego. Um, the part that offended them to where they didn't even hear the rest of what you're saying. They're just formulating a response, right? So just think about how many ways that that, um, you know, is involved in and things like that as well. So I just kind of simplified it and it just made it easier for me. Limited knowledge. Tell me a little, you know, as a as as someone who've had who's had children, what are some of the ways that you've seen in personal experience that you can, you know, have uh, young children develop empathy? 
I mean, I feel like education is very helpful. Um, and then parents, that's why parents are so important. Um, and parents, when people are looking for like what they can do, cause I know a lot of people are just looking around like what they can do It right. starts with you right on the inside, fixing what's within you. Um, thinking about the ways you dehumanize people. Like I was even thinking about like ways, how do I dehumanize people in my career and my work? Um, you know, when I'm, you know, looking at things. Do I just, I'm quick to dismiss this person if they don't have this, mm. this, and this, or am I taking the time to actually look in and see what I can do for them and where they can be, um, or just dismissing their hopes and dreams, right? It's, it's looking internal and then, then looking external around the circle of influence that you already have, um, which would be like your children, your family, your friends. And for parents right now, it's such an important job. And like, that's why I like really admire my kids. They are such free thinkers. Like I have taught them this from a young age, like go look it up, like go do the research, um, go find out on your own. You are lucky you have the internet, right? Um, so you can go find the questions. You can find the answers, right? And um, you know what I mean? Like back in the day, all we had was the paper and the six o'clock news. We were really spoon fed. Yeah. Now we can actually dig deep. So just like, you know, teaching your kids just right off the top, like not, and also not programming it into them, like to believe a certain way. And I think that happens like in the school system, right off the bat, they are taught certain um, characteristics, you know, only speak when spoken to, you have to raise your hand, you need permission. Um, you know, this is history. This is, this is history, their version that they give you. And this is what it is. Like, um, instead of like encouraging them to go find out about other things and, um, right. you know, incorporating their ideas and giving them a chance to give feedback. Um, I was just talking about this with one of my family members. You know, we grew up in an era where kids weren't allowed to speak. Right. We weren't allowed to speak. And I just remember as a child, just feeling so oppressed. I grew up in yep. a very religious background where it was just like, you can't speak like, no, like adults know everything. Kids know nothing. Right. Um, you know, we are supposed to what? indoctrinate us like see that's the problem it's just like kids come out and they just start being programmed yeah. and um we just need to teach our children to be free thinkers and to always question everything everything right. even what i say even what i say because if my kids come at me and they are questioning there's a difference between if they're coming from a way of like being a, a smart ass, you know, or being sure. disrespectful than if they really want to know, like, mom, I seen this and this was conflicting to what you said. Like, can we talk about it and just right. encouraging and making them feel safe? Because, you know, the cultures we grew up in, we were scared to do that and open our mouths or anything like that. Right. Um, so doing that and also encouraging them to write down their thoughts. Some people, if writing isn't for you, recording your thoughts, it's what I do, like recording my like living journal um, just by like talking and then listening back to it. So just encouraging a journaling at a young age, you know, writing down your thoughts, questioning, um, utilizing resources, um, because at the end of the day, none of this stuff is bad. Social media is not bad. Um, technology is not bad. My mother always told me everything in moderation, right? So once it gets to a point where it's literally controlling your mind and you're acting off of 
only what it says and you're not taking the time to separate and and um, kind of learn on your own um then you know it becomes an addiction and then it falls into that addiction category right and so you have to right. handle it the same way as you would any other addiction yeah we've been struggling with we we watch a lot of young parents with um you know handing their small children like an iPad or a an iPhone and and I'm sure there's good and bad in doing that but I do sometimes have a fear that that's the easy again it's kind of the easy solution to a bigger problem which is your child's misbehaving <laughs> right you know right I think um, we should use a little bit of both right we should use yeah. a little bit of the old school and but the new school because the future is technology so you want them to be able to navigate it but at the same time you want to maybe um, a lot a certain amount of time they can spend on it right um, and um, also make sure that you are providing spaces for them to do things that that are disconnected from that. So like teaching them, um, I'm teaching, I'm teaching my daughter to play checkers, um, nice. putting together puzzles, um, going outside and jump roping, like all of the things that we did as kids, um, without technology and just l letting them understand that they don't need tech, like they don't need it. Um, it's a great, um, resource, but as far as, you know, being a human, like that's not required. I was on a plane last summer and a, a gentleman got on and he had an infant. I mean, a really tiny infant, probably six, seven months old. And they sat down and the infant immediately saw the touch screen on the seat in front of them and started touching, like started touching at the screen. And I just had this like shiver. I was like, oh my goodness. Like addiction. Smallest, yeah. Already seeing like something that looks interactive, but it's a, it's a piece of glass. But it's no different than a pacifier. Sure. Sure. Or a bottle just to get them to shut up. Right. It's literally not any different, right? You know, a lot of parents did that before technology. Like here, take this pacifier. Instead of trying to figure out like what is going on, maybe it's inconveniencing us, inconveniencing us at the time um, to attend to them, or maybe we're just so tired or, or whatever um, that it's just easier to put that in their mouth. Um, but, and it's also healthy to let them cry too. So it's just like um, finding the happy medium, but there really isn't much difference between the things that we give to pacify kids and, um, you know, giving them a tablet. Totally. Which is really, actually, I'm glad you said that because I feel a little better about the all or nothing scenario. <laughs> I got an email today, shifting gears a little bit. I got an email today, uh, this morning, uh, and the headline called out to me and I wanted to read the headline to you because okay. you and I've talked, you and I've talked in this space a lot because of, because of our backgrounds and also because of what we do for a living. Gotcha. Ready for the, here's the headline. <laughs> Diversity, in quotes, diversity, and then in quotes again, inclusion. Diversity and inclusion are the emptiest words in corporate America. And I just want to get your thoughts on that phrase, on, on, on that idea that, that we're, we're using kind of catchphrases instead of getting to the root of the matter. I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that. I definitely agree. I've agreed for a while. You know, all, all anyone from marginalized communities, underrepresented communities has ever wanted is just to be treated like everyone else and have the same opportunities and get paid the same. And um, in order to even have that, it's, it's going to be more than a policy change or rule changes or behavior changes. It's you. How do you change a policy and change the hearts and minds of a human that 
just believes a certain way. Um, you can put a policy in place to make people be nice, but um, you can't get rid of the microaggressions, the stares, the the feelings that you feel when you're uncomfortable. It's it's never going to go away. You're just going to get people to be on their best behavior, and and um, I don't want that. I want real real change, um, and a lot of that starts with just education. Um, but yeah, I absolutely think it is kind of empty in my personal opinion. Um, why did there have to be a task force for this? Why weren't we already kind of, um, as a whole looking in, uh, looking into this as companies like across the board? Um, why did there have to be a position for that? Like now there's like a CDO position. I'm just like, what? Yeah. Um, so it just seems, it almost seems like, I don't even know. It's just like capitalizing off of some unfortunate um, circumstances that are very real, um, mm-hmm. especially in our industry and and um, in every industry. Yeah. Um, it just seems like it's just capitalization off of making a, a commercial out of it. Just like I seen like yeah. um, some celebrities were doing with the, the uh, protesting movement and all of that, like really like, making this commercialized content. Um, I seen something put together like the other day that really offended me. It was like a bunch of celebrities and and each one of them was like, I will not be silent and da da da. It's like, why do you have to tell us that? Just apply it. A hundred percent. I was so offended by that. I was just like, why are you doing this? This is not the answer. It's narcissism, Greg. It's It's the root of it. And it's so interesting when people, uh, with everything that's going on and you and I are both social media folks, uh, you see how people react and there's, there are things that work for me and I understand. And, and I'm clearly, you know, as a, as a white male working on myself, but when people, turn these things around and make it about them. It's so obvious to me. It's so, and it's, it's, yep. it's like, how do you, it's like so tone deaf. That's the only phrase I can think of. It is. Cause it's like, when you, when you really want to do the good work, you do the good work. You don't need a spotlight. You don't need a camera flash. You don't need to be on a reel. You just do the good work. You do it. And if someone captures you doing that, then that makes it more special, but you shouldn't be capturing it on your own. It's just like people that go out there and give to the homeless and it's on tape. Like, why did you do that? Why did you feel the need? First of all, like, how do you think that person feels being on your camera in that position and you're posting it all over social media? You handing them $20. Like, what is that about? And then two, it's just like, you've always had all this privilege and money, all this money. And maybe instead of buying a a brand new, like custom um, $100,000 car, maybe you could have put that money towards helping a community that you're passionate about. Right. Um, I think a lot of celebs are getting fried for that because they, a lot of them are even having the nerve to ask us for money. And I'm like, yeah. what? aren't you a millionaire? Yeah. So yeah. it's just like, it all goes back to that root, that narcissism. What is the motivation? Um, and I say that for people that um, with the, with the all lives matter thing going on, it's all about the motivation. Cause of course we know all lives matter. Right. Um, right. But it's just what's behind that. And um, you know, a lot of it is like defensiveness. It's the ego. That's another big thing. It's the ego. And that's what narcissism is all about. The yeah. ego, right. Um, how you heard me say that, but you only heard uh, the first word, right. Mm-hmm. The black, mm-hmm. 
right? Mm -hmm. Um, Instead of like understanding what is behind that and really doing the research to find out why. Because no one is saying that it's just that group, right? But at the core of history of all of the world is white supremacy. It's really incredible. This is not a U.S. problem. This is a problem in every single continent um, from people wanting to, um, you know, bleach their skin in all different countries um, to it's just that whole like we all need to just look at that and just say, why did we always feel like this was the standard of beauty for our world? Why? And the world is so beautiful. Well, I mean, I couldn't believe this week when it was like the Supreme Court decided that the, you know, transgendered gay lesbian community, uh, had equal rights. Like we had to take that to some, to the Supreme court. Like, and I don't understand that. It's also narcissism on the, on the bench <laughs> and three people on the bench said, no, they didn't agree with it. And you're just like, what? If we can't get to that, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, it's very, uh, it's, it, I think it's easy to get angry and going back to your Kubler Ross, in the stages of grief. Um, I think that it's, it's easy to get stuck in, in a lot of the spaces of feeling helpless. And like you said, I think it really comes down to making the choice to change self and do it for the, for the, for the betterment of, of all, not just because it's something that looks good or is something where the, the optics are great. And, and having worked in a tech, you know, in tech, tech companies and seen this from the inside out, um, it's fascinating to me how they just don't get it. They just don't. Yeah. That's why you got to seek. You, you always should seek to know motivations and intent. Why? And why now? Why is that important? Why is it important? Is it just important? Because if you don't do it, then you're going to get called out for being this or that. And then that goes back to narcissism It's just self. And it's the same thing for any, you know, human rights. First of all, human rights. It has nothing to do with the shade or a sex or what you believe in. It's human rights for all, no matter how you want to believe. Right. And that's the core of it. And people are always attaching what they believe to it instead of looking objectively and just saying what is best for humanity, not just me, not just for this group, not based on what I believe in, what is the best strategy for for humanity as a whole? Because we will not ever be able to beat the real enemy um, until we are unified um, as a whole. And unfortunately, like I've told the girls, it, it's, it sucks to think that it might take just some huge existential type of threat for yeah. us to just be like, you know what? We're on the same boat. And you know that when you when you look from outer space and, yep, yep, and you also yep. get that overview effect when you jump out of a plane and you realize how teeny yeah. tiny you are in comparison to the big world. I was having some anxiety issues. Well, who's, who doesn't? But I, I, I was trying to figure out ways to deal with it some years ago. And, and someone turned me on to stargazing therapy, which maybe you're familiar with. But yes. you basically just go outside on a clear night and you lay on the ground. And you look up and you just kind of realize how insignificant you really are. <laughs> Absolutely. It's also grounding too, Greg, laying yeah. in the ground yeah. next to earth. You can feel the vibration. Yeah. So that's yeah. a very euphoric experience in itself. 
Yeah. Um, something you said too about an existential crisis. Like I kind of think we have a couple that we could, we could look at. Uh, and in my hope, like in, in my, in my optimism, because I do think I'm an optimist. I think at the end of the day, I'm a nihilistic optimist is that, um, people realize we have to come together to, to combat, to, to survive. And it's not going to be just one color or one gender or one sexual preference. We all got to come together. And until we do that, um, you know, people are going to suffer. There's going to be a lot more suffering than, than there really needs to be. Absolutely. But the thing is, Greg, the world is so desensitized because of so much information that they have too. It's literally like I use the analogy, an asteroid is coming in an hour and it's going to destroy the planet. Is it going to be like, are we going to be talking about blue lives, black lives? Are we going to talk about that when we have an hour? Absolutely not. All of that is going to go out the window, which is like it does when someone is very close to death. Um, Just um, when someone gets a diagnosis that is terminal, a lot of people will say this, like it's not until those kind of things where they realize they don't have control. We still feel like we have an element of control and power. Um, as humans on this earth, we do not realize that we absolutely don't have the control. Right. Um, but when you realize like something like that, that you can visualize, because even people question the news, but if you could literally see it and it's coming for you, it just changes things. Yeah. So whether it's that um, or whatever, aliens, I don't know, but it's, <laughs> it's just literally, it sucks that it will have to be yeah. something so huge. For us to all think that way. You said something um, in in the first episode of K-Thanks that I wanted to bring up because I I think I want to incorporate this phrase into my daily life. Absolutely. You said, suck it up and drive on. Yes, that is a military (laughs) phrase. (laughs) Yeah, that's what we're told all the time. Um, You know, when things get hard, maybe they've told you to do like 50 push-ups and you're smoked after like 25 suck it up and drive on. If you're on a run and you're on, you're almost to the sixth mile, but you're like got a quarter mile left, suck it up and drive on, push it out. That means just thinking of the end goal in mind, just keeping that goal in mind, no matter what obstacles you're facing, no matter what's going on around you, no matter how many, like every, every storm possible. Right. Because once you get through that and you keep your eyes on the prize, once you get there, it's going to be so much more meaningful. But like I said earlier, you know, people want are they want quick gratification. They want it. They want it fast um, yeah. instead of that. So, you know, if there's a way to like teach that, um, that would that would probably help a lot. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that there's, you know, we have to keep moving and we have to keep fighting. But at the end of the day, we also have to keep our eyes on the end goal, you know, and it, it we can't get caught up in these semantics and the in the, in the, in the things that I think are just distractions from, from, from where we need to go. Absolutely. Absolutely agree. I end every podcast with eight questions. They're called the grateful eight. Okay. And it's, um, uh, before I get to them, I just want to say thank you. I, I, I appreciate our friendship. I'm so glad to have you in my life. And I, I'm so glad that we're just always like, yeah, we're always just kind of like, Hey, you know, here's a little text like this. Oh yeah. that. (laughs) Uh huh. uh Yeah. It's like, there's, um, it's, it's good for me to feel, uh, like, like we're all kind of pushing towards similar things, even though, even though we're literally sitting in our houses, uh, physically apart. I, I, it, it makes me feel good that, that, you know, people like you are in my life that I feel 
I still feel and, close. And to right you. back at you, Greg, because I, I tell the girls all the time, I'm like, Greg, it was crazy because I never worked directly with Greg, but right. I interacted with Greg at work. And yeah. it's just something about kindred spirits. I think, you know, you can tell energy when yeah. it's great um, and you want more of that around you. And it's just like been fluid. And you've, you've literally, you've been a part of shaping me into where I'm at today. I can't even like Same. began to like even began to start. Like if you wouldn't have done certain things for me in my career. It's just like crazy. I would not be in this spot. So it's like always, always thankful and always glad to connect with you. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we're in it together, man. We're all in the same lifeboat. And yeah, absolutely. When I meet people that get that right away, it's like we all, we, we start with just a little bit more understanding and it's so much easier to like grow and move forward. Yeah. We have, we need to realize that we have more in common that we, we, that we don't have in common as humans. I, I've said this at, I was, we had a little gathering this weekend for the baby. And uh, I said, you know, we are all so, there's so much privilege. There is so much privilege and you can slice and dice it, but at least we all have the internet. At least we all have electricity. There are so many humans out there that don't even have those things. And the things that people end up complaining about and, 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 and just spending their energy worrying about, I'm like, step back and be grateful. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Okay. Last eight questions. Think nothing, you know, don't, you don't have to think too deep on these. It's kind of like, uh, inside like the actor's studio. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like got it. Money. Very good. Very, very good. Are you ready? Yes. Number one. What is the greatest concert you've ever seen? New Kids on the Block. The right stuff. <laughs> and Are I got to touch, touch, I got to like hold the hand of Joey McIntyre. So I was like, yes. Oh, what I was on the bridge. Was I was at How the bridge. Um, I was a grown woman and I was surrounded <laughs> by other grown women. And like um, Donnie Wahlberg like made out with a girl right next to me. I was on the bridge, so between the two stages. So oh. I got to interact with them, um, boys to men, and then 98 degrees was there, just brought back all our teen- teenage fantasies to life. Good lord. <laughs> Question two: What is the greatest meal you've ever eaten? My mom has this um, this dish that she cooks called hot turkey salad, and she used to make it after every Thanksgiving meal because she would make it from the leftover turkey. Um, it's a secret recipe, so I can't tell you, but <laughs> it's it's amazing, and now it's my son's favorite food. Um, so it would have to be that hot turkey just, salad. Just tell me this: is there mayonnaise involved? Yes, there is. Then I'm in. Yep. Question three, what is the greatest moment you've had since starting your business slash podcast? The greatest moment I had um, was when we launched our first episode. Like it felt really real. And when I listened to it all the way through before launching, um, just the feeling and the sense of, wow, this all came together. This was right. This was right timing. And then... um, just everything up until that point has just been right on time. So I think this was absolutely the right time the universe wanted for us to do this. Uh, I mean, I'm so excited to to keep listening. I think it's such your, I agree with you. It's such the time, the timing couldn't be better. Thank you. <laughs> Question four, what is the greatest compliment you've ever been given? 
Um, I got this a com- I got this um compliment when I first got to my job from a manager, uh, and he told me that I had presence. Ooh, I like that. He, he said I had a strong leadership presence. That people want to listen to me. I agree. Question five: What is the greatest time of year for you? I like Halloween. It's like my favorite. <laughs> I just love it. I love, I th- I love the role play, getting to dress up, and um, yeah, I just love everything about that holiday. Halloween is pretty awesome. Yeah, it's pretty fun. <laughs> I'm sure with kids, it's even funner. Oh yeah, now they're getting older, right? And I'm like, hey, you can't <laughs> just go trick or treating at like 15, all right? <laughs> there is a time, and that time is gone. Right now you can pass out candy and just go to Halloween parties with your friends. (laughs) (laughs) Question six, assuming that the greatest year has happened, what is your greatest year of your life so far? The greatest year of my life was when I was 25 years old. That was the greatest year of my life. It wasn't that there was a lot of phenomenal things happening that year, but it was a year I felt the best. Um, all the way through. And it, that's the year I had my daughter too. Oh, that's awesome. By the way, we're going to assume that the greatest year hasn't happened yet, but we're going <laughs> to say here's up until. Yeah, that's right. Question seven. What is your greatest regret? Greatest regret. Um, you know what? I don't really have those anymore. I used to, um, but I don't have them anymore because I believe everything happens the way it should. And even the bad things um, shape me into who I am. And if I were to go back and change those bad things, I wouldn't be here. Love it. And the last question. What is the greatest advice you've gotten or can give? Um, Greatest advice that I've gotten. Uh, my mother's advice, everything in moderation. Including moderation. It's, yep. It's very, very, very simple. It really is. There's a song by um, LCD Sound System. Do you like them? I've never heard of them. Dance rock band. I, you know, kind of jaded, older, middle-aged You have to dude. send me some music. I'm always I open. I will send you. I'll send you a couple <laughs> of hits. But um, they have a song called Get Innocuous. And okay. I had to literally, this is how dumb I was when that song came out. I had to look up what that word meant. And that's, <laughs> that's basically what it means. It's about just stay in the middle, man. Like not, you know, don't, don't ride too high. Don't ride too low. Just balance. be like, yeah, keep that balance. And um, life is about balance because there's a little, there's always, it's like the yin and the yang, right? There's yeah. always going to be a little bad and the good and, and a little good and the bad, right? But yeah. duality means we can't coexist without that. Right. Yeah. So, um, you just got to accept things how they come. Um, and then you just adjust, you learn a lesson and you adjust for the next time you have to go through that. Totally. Well, Vicki, thank you so much. Always, always a pleasure to talk to you. And, Same. um, I'm super excited about the podcast and, and hopefully, um, I, I have a feeling it's, it's gonna, I think it's going to really resonate with people. Gosh, I hope so. I hope so. We also welcome like opposing opinions. We, we hope to also bring people out that um, have different opinions. So like I said in the beginning, um, we are very encouraging of like not just taking our word. These are just suggestions that we found along our journey and the research we've done, but always have an open mind and always question things and always um, be 
unafraid to provide your own feedback as well. Hell yeah. All right. Thanks, Vicky. Thank you so much, Greg. Check out the K Thanks podcast. K comma Thanks podcast. It's great already and it just started. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave us a review. It really makes a difference at iTunes or check us out on Spotify. Uh, also at Anchor FM. All the places, really. And please take care of yourself. Take care of others. And wash your hands. Limited mileage.